stop, stop, stop. I can't take it anymore. Oh, I do the live one too. Yes, I know. I saw your act in the theatre. You're really quite good. Quite a certain harmful habit. Stop it now, I mean it. I don't think he felt anything after the crash. Hello and welcome everyone. We are breaking up with our BS. This is episode number 84 and I am Tani Santabria. And I am JDK Winnikin. We are here once again to debunk the junk. All those stories that we make up about our emotional states that we don't really need to because they make things so much more stressful and difficult than we really want them to be or need them to be. And so this is what we are about every single week. So thank you so much out there for joining us. If you're listening live, good morning. I hope you're enjoying your cup of coffee. If you are listening to this as a podcast, thank you so much for subscribing and leaving us a review. And remember, you can get this as a podcast wherever you get your podcast. We're everywhere. There's no reason you can't find us. Now, also, if you would like to interact with us between episodes, check out our Facebook group at Breaking Up With Our BS. We also have a YouTube channel that has videos of all of our episodes. And we also have uh, two different options for really kind of digging into this yourself. There's Tawny's six-week self-mastery course that you can find and sign up for at unperfectyourself.com where you can apply all these things over six weeks to your own context. And then on the second Saturday of every month, Tawny and I host a free Zoom workshop to introduce you to various techniques that we, uh, that we use, that we talk about, answer any questions that you might have. So there's lots of opportunities and there's more on the way, right, Tawny? Absolutely. Always more on the way. I do have to tell you one thing though. I found so funny, completely unrelated to anything we're doing, but I have, you know, it's an opportunity to talk about my two-year-old grandbaby. So um, I discovered last week that he absolutely loves the musical intro to our podcast. I had to play it over and over and over. He gets his shoulders in, he is grooving, and he thinks when when he hears the stop, 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 he laughs so hard. So <laughs> that's a win, right? That is a win. That is a win. And and it is it is a groove tastic mm-hmm. uh, musical intro and outro. It is pretty good. Uh, Dave Nelson, Lens Group Media, well done. Give him the mm-hmm. shout out that he deserves for yes. that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's amazing. So he's so. Does your grandbaby got some? Does he got some rhythm? So we're developing rhythm for him. I, I he's working on it, and you know that just makes me so happy that he loves it. <laughs> right. So so we're grooving, and he's working on it, and, and so it's it's super fun. So wow, that's awesome. That's <laughs> that's that's fabulous. That's a great visual. All right. So um, okay. Well, with that in mind, that's that's starting us on a, on a good note. Uh, we are finishing up this week our uh, our 10-episode series, Flinging Your Poo. Not, like I said at the end of last week's episode, Finding Your Poo. <laughs> That's a different thing. <laughs> Although you do have to find it to fling it, so I will give you that. It's true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But it was hilarious because, I, you know, I, I, we're doing the exit, and I can, you know, I see Tony up there, and all of a sudden Tony's laughing hysterically i don't know what she's laughing about and we get off the air and she goes you said finding your poop oh, yeah, it was, yeah and of course then we had a good laugh about that right so uh anyway uh so this is the last in our 10-part series that are really kind of the big common stories the ones that tony and i have identified the big common stories that oftentimes are the big ones that we fuel 
and can cause a lot of these different problems. And so like the top 10 things to debunk perhaps uh, is a good mm-hmm. way to, to put it. So we're on the last one. This doesn't mean it's the most important one. It just means it's the last one we got to. So here's what I'm thinking, Tony. You ready? I'm ready. I think this week we should talk about the story of I found the one or I need I need to find the one. The one. Mm. The one. Yes. The one. The one. Mm. I and the reason I bring this up is because it is something that comes up a lot with clients. You see it in talk about that external messaging that we get from a lot of different a lot of different directions. But it comes up a lot and it's a it's one that uh wow. For me it's like a gasoline version, a rocket fuel version of a story-making uh, pile of poo. <laughs> so how about that one? Does that one work for you to go into today? Sure, let's do it. I mean, just even hearing it out loud, I just feel like this huge amount of like pressure. Mm-hmm. Finding the one, that's a lot of pressure. Because if yes. there's really only one, Yikes. Um, that's going to take a lot of effort and energy to find the one. Like, how do you even go about doing that? Yeah. I mean, there's seven plus billion people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most of them, the overwhelming majority of them are really far away from us. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. <laughs> right. And if, and if you've got a job, if you, you know, if you've got things in your life, that that take up hours in your day, like, holy moly, that's going to take a, a lot of time Yeah, to find the one. Like, and then how do you even know? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, they're, and this is something that I've had clients talk about as well. They've, they think they found the one and then that relationship doesn't last. And they were so convinced it was the one that now they're it's, they're even more despondent that it's not the one, and they tell themselves the story. I can't trust my own judgment. I thought this was the one. Turns out it wasn't. How will I know? How can I move forward? Maybe that was the one. I you know they start blaming themselves or they're taking you know, and before you know it, <laughs> the stories are all out there external, and they're not really paying attention to really where they stand in the whole thing or the very, or, to, or even open to the idea that this might be a made up story. <clears throat> well, okay. So the, the need to find the one, the, the one is probably is a conditioned story. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, cause that, that there could be lots of choices. Um, Certainly, if we're looking for somebody that we can live with for the rest of our lives, that that's a different sort of expectation and a different size of pressure. Well, I'm just looking for somebody I can live with for the rest of my life, right? <laughs> There's got to be a handful of those guys out there. It's only a right? few. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. As opposed to the one. <laughs> right. Right. So we said that's not nearly that. as, but see, that's the thing. We do because that doesn't sound nearly as romantic and ideal, right? I mean, that's well, that's really the source of this, right? The destined thing, the the God chosen thing, whatever it might be coming from. There's so many different messages on what this means 
you know, what you just laid out, right? That doesn't get people as fired up. That doesn't get people to go to the movies or, you know, watch stuff on TV. Well, well, certainly, right? Like that, maybe that's part of the problem, right? Yeah. We do want a hyper sort of an intense kind of experience. And then we, then we have to, if we want that in some regard, we, we can naturally have that without conditioned stories. That's another another show. But if we're going to uh, link these two together, the the story of there being the one and romanticizing sort of like relationships and things like this, then that's part of the trouble. We go to these uh, movies or shows or and we get all sort of like feelings about all of this. And then we start to believe this conditioned story. Because we start mm-hmm. to believe that, no, this is real. This is kind of what we should be looking for. So we put all kinds of pressure on ourselves to be able to either, you know, keep finding the one or why haven't we found the one? What's wrong with us that we haven't found the one, but then we did find the one, but we only found the one for eight months because at the nine month mark, like, ooh, we were sort of really getting into reality here. And then everything wasn't so like, oh, on a pedestal. And so now what do I do? Because now I'm out of fantasy land and I'm actually into real life, but I don't like real life because you know what? It's not as intensely romanticized and connected and we're not on this like sort of, you know, um, high of the new part of a relationship, right? Like all that stuff we see in the movies is the new part of a relationship, the part of the relationship where we are supposed to bond or else we wouldn't go through the hard stuff with each other. We wouldn't go through the mundane. We wouldn't go through the stress. We wouldn't go through the financial pressures. We wouldn't go through the parenting. We wouldn't grow, go through those things if there wasn't a a, 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 a a good enough amount of a bond that happened in the beginning of the relationship. So every relationship that is going to last for any length of time at all is going to have that moment or the, the, the that beginning period, whether it's a year, sometimes it can last longer, but where everything is great and grand and we are just found the love of our life and perfection in bodied, right? So um, all of those things, um, but that's the way relationships work. We need that at the beginning, but that's not how relationships grow and mature. Right. You know, and you know, the, the thing that came up for me while you were talking about that is, is the assumption laden in the very idea of the one, like, because what it does is it distances both people in that scenario, really in some ways from their own responsibility and their own choices, their own agency, because the one is a destiny question, right? It's a matter of, of stuff outside of ourselves, some mystic force or some sort of you know, magical timing or something like that to bring together, but then it doesn't stick with the ingredients of how once together those two people continue to make the choice. And it's not about, well, this is the one, so that therefore it's going to work. The agency goes away in that story, right? Because to me, yes, you're right. You have to have that at the front end, but what is going to help you from that year in, (laughs) you know, is continuing to know that you have you individually and this other person have choices to make every day about moving forward, what it looks like, what those conversations feel like, what are the, what are the consequences of choices made or not made? 
you know, to me, that's where that's really where the most successful relationships I've ever seen are the ones that are able to do that and aren't caught up in this story of this is the one God given or universe given or whatever, you know, and I feel like such a, you know, I want to know how powerful the conditioning is. I feel like such a heel for even talking about this. I feel like I'm raining on people's parades, you know, or I'm poo-pooing the emotion and the, the importance of connection. I know I'm not, but it's interesting that that comes up. What, by being, by talking about it in a real way, you're poo-pooing on their, what do you mean? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of what, you know, I feel like, um, you know, it's, it's the type of thing that can sound so, quote unquote, unromantic or not as, not as exciting or not as connected. You know, I certainly, you know, I've, I've had clients say that when we've talked about these things, they say, oh, that just doesn't sound as exciting or as rewarding or as engaging. And I, well, okay, that might be the story, mm-hmm. right? It might be showing the power of that story. It's just interesting that I'm even noticing it with myself. Huh? Yeah, that yeah. it is. It's fascinating that, um, but again, I, I think that's part of what we watch and what we're drawn to is the sort of the stimulation and the drama and um, sort of the ease if if we don't have to put much effort, right? Or if um, we are rewarded with a lot of effort, then we can get excited about something, right? Instead of, <laughs> in, instead of, you know, coming into real, real life, Right. And real life is complex. So mm-hmm. um, as a relationship matures, it doesn't get, it, you know, the, the, the excitement or the, um, you know, if you go to Disneyland every single day, at some point at Disneyland, you're just like, okay, I've done everything here. I'm kind of bored. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing, not, you know, the excitement is about the new things mm-hmm. in our life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It that it, excitement isn't intended to be a, a state that we just experience twenty four seven because <laughs> we're humans and we have the whole range of emotions. Unless we're trying to get away from certain emotions that we don't like because we've been taught to do this, right? Yes. So, so then we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that this is supposed to be this exciting sort of, um, and then we're, and then we feel bad. Like you just said, you just talked about like feeling bad about like squashing that, right? Well, you're not, (laughs) you're not squashing it. You're not life (laughs) doesn't allow for it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean that, but that's the conditioning, right? Is that the championing is of that front end so often, and the importance of finding that front end, and the implication is that when you find that front end of that relationship, then everything is going to be better, and everything is going to stay better. That's the implicit messaging that we often get, and you know from movies, but also even from and and over time the expectation of that, and then we reinforce it with each other, right? In our in our friendships and our relationships as we talk with our friends about who they're dating and how that's going and all those expectations. And those things can just reinforce, reinforce to the point where here we are sitting talking about these as stories and people who reach out to us say, 
man, these are all stories. My friends and I have been talking about all these things as real for years. Yeah. <laughs> They're stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's powerful stuff. Right. Right. Um, ab- absolutely. Right. That's This is why we are not going to run out of things to debunk. Mm-hmm. Because we don't need, we, we've taken for granted these stories or ways of thinking about things. Um, we've not questioned them. And, but we've, we've all seen ourselves, experienced ourselves and others struggle with them. So whenever we set ourselves up to um, not deal with reality, right? Those are like self-sabotage kinds of experiences mm-hmm. and behaviors. So mm-hmm. if, if we can, if we can set ourselves up to actually deal with reality by questioning these conditioned stories, like even when we see it, when you start to notice these stories and you go to watch movies, like I have a hard time watching a lot of movies because these things are everywhere. Yeah. No doubt. So I'm like, that's BS. That's BS. That's BS. Like, like it, the experience <laughs> for me, <laughs> there's certain <laughs> movies I really do like, especially if they're based off true stories, but because I like the true yeah. stories, like I like, I like all of it, you know, the, the depths of the hard stuff and the most exciting moments, right? All of it, because that's, what's real. Um, but you'll start to question, you'll start to see all of these places where, wow, that person is really stuck in that belief system. That's not helping them at all. It's actually getting in the way of them actually even experiencing what they want to experience. That's so clear to everybody else looking in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. You know, it, it reminds me in some ways of what we talked about last week, right? The ability to, how comfortable are we are with our own company, right? How connected are we to ourselves? How much do we enjoy ourselves? Because so often, at least what I encounter is when people talk about needing, wanting to find the one, there's an either implicit or sometimes explicit part where they believe they need that in order to feel complete or to feel fulfilled or to feel like they've connected with their life's purpose or their destiny. You know, you're talking about movies. It's the Jerry Maguire you complete me thing, which every time I see it, I nearly want to go through the ceiling, right? You know, just like, no, no, you don't need that. But it's, um, there's so much of that. Cause I think the more we get to connect with ourselves, I don't think we necessarily need to ask that question or frame something as, is this person the one or, you know, it, it, cause it, it raises the question about that very idea to begin with. Right. Well, you, it's impossible to answer. Yes. Is this person the one? So you're asking yourself a question that isn't answerable, <laughs> right? Because you can't predict the future, right? And, right? and and like you said, one of your clients said earlier, like, I thought they were the one and despondent to find out that they weren't the one. Like it, at what point, you know, it's kind of funny, like I like to pick this stuff apart. It's kind of funny. But so at, at what month or week is it that we can discern whether or not this person is the one, does it have to be exactly. <laughs> a three week period? Does it have to be an eight month period? Does it have to be 18 months? Like, what is it that we can say, oh, this person's the one, right? And what does I the guess test it's look like to pass? 
Yeah. Like what, what's the test somebody has to take? Like what are the, what are the moments, you know, what are the conditions? What are the, you know, what are the things that everybody's promised? You know, and I, you know, I understand that a lot of other things get mixed up in these, these questions, right? The degree of, you know, what does the commitment look like in the relationship and how is that understood? And, you know, what's the, what's the form of the relationship? Is it a, is it a marriage and is it a marriage based around perhaps religious ideals? Is it a, is it a partnership? I mean, there's so many different ways people define these things um, and understand these things. And yet that's, that's the very thing I keep coming back to as well. It's like, why even answer, why even ask yourself or why even put forward a concept that you can't determine is actually true or not at any given time? And doesn't that take us away from the person who's right in front of us? Because we're actually not seeing them. We're evaluating them against some sort of standard or some of some question that can't be answered. When you think about it that way, it is a pile of BS. Yeah. Yeah. And when then things get rough and tough and stress is high for both partners, because stages and phases of life bring us Mm -hmm. larger amounts of stress at different points in time, and then if, if the evaluation is that this person is the one, the one, then how are you evaluating it during those periods of time too? Right. Um, and, and what then does that, you know, offer you in terms of engagement, I guess. So if, if the story starts out with, this is a person that right now, I want to commit myself to, and we want to make a life together right now. And here we go, right? Then we're going to have active engagement over time because we could come back to that even in the worst of times. This is a person, (laughs) right? We can come back to that even at the worst of times and we don't have to wonder if there's this magical, oh, did I miss my shot? was the other person actually the one, not this person, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah, or, or can you, the story then be used to be staying in something that isn't serving you anymore? I've seen that too with people who are like, well, this is the one, this is the person, so I've got to work through this. Do you? <laughs> I mean, depending on what's happening, why do you? If this is not helping you, if you are not happy, if this is not healthy, if there are very significant problems going on. Do you really want the story of this being the one to be something that is producing harm? And that's the other side of this, that that's the other side of the danger of this BS story is that it can end up over tolerating things that perhaps aren't best to tolerate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. We can't, it's, it's just not clear enough. It's just not a clear enough question, right? And when we're asking ourselves those those questions or we're making unclear determinations, then that that makes it even that much more difficult, Mm -hmm. right? Because we're not in the here and now. We're not in the what is actually happening right now. What am I actually doing? What's my partner actually doing? Mm-hmm. 
How are we engaging? Is, you know, that's the part that allows us, whenever we're dealing with reality, that we, we get a little bit more clear. If we're willing to deal with reality, we get a little more clear and, and we can sort things out a little bit better as opposed to just being in that headspace where the headspace again, makes up all kinds of things. The, yeah. the headspace does not have to be in reality at all. It can be anywhere else, yeah. right? The body's typically here in reality more often than the head is. <laughs> yep. Hence why we talk about connecting all those things together, right? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. then, then we're in the now. And, and, and the way I think about it too, as we come up on time here, the way I, I tend to think about it more is imagine the, the overall health and satisfaction and connection in a relationship that day by day understands wherever that reality is and they engage in it from that standpoint and they continue to build it, invest in it from a position of reality. That's an amazing prospect to me, so much more so than just the idea of somebody being the one or not, right? Takes it out of the realm of mythology and puts it in the realm of reality with proven evidence that in this relationship, people are, these people are still investing from a position of reality and choosing these things. That's super powerful. And, and oftentimes when clients talk about that or I, I put, posit that up in front of them, that becomes a lot more interesting. Right, because that's what's really going on. <laughs> Imagine right, <that. laughs> right. When when we let ourselves be in reality, it actually is more interesting than mm-hmm. when we take ourselves out of it and we go to these, uh, you know, uh, uh, other places in our in our minds um, that offer a lot of stimulation. Right. Well, reality is actually quite amazing. Uh huh. Uh huh. It is, and that requires sort of recognizing that it's going to have the whole bandwidth mm-hmm. <laughs> of stuff. Yeah, and that's what makes that's what makes it amazing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we could we could continue to go on this, and I'm sure we'll come. It'll come up at some point in the future time. But we got to we got to call it for this week. We do. We do. Yeah. Yep. All right. So there we go. The flinging your poo series is in the books, everyone. Mm-hmm. We will thank you so much for that, and be sure to look back on all these 10 and see which ones apply to you. And you can reach out to us at our Facebook page. Um, if you have any comments or any questions about that, we'd love to hear from you. And again, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this week's episode. We will be back next week with more stuff to debunk because uh, there's plenty of junk and it's an ongoing process. Until then, I am JDK Winnikin. And I am Tawny Santabria. Thanks, everybody. Fling that poo. Thank you. Now I'm needed. Yeah. I don't think he felt anything after the crash. Who's that, Janio?